0: I my Colorado sway cuz when no play I don't really I don't really know how to age and when no it go you know I'm actin' bad Holly get a with
1: my Colorado sway Welcome into the DMVR Box Podcast presented by Green Mountain Dental Group I'm Henry Chisholm and uh There is some stuff going on in the Pac-12 world right now, uh, and we're going to break that down. The big news, though, the Buffs have moved the game time from Friday night uh, when they were supposed to host Utah at Folsom Field to Saturday morning. It'll be the earliest kickoff in the 97-year history of Folsom Field, 10.05 a.m. start, um, and there's a good reason for it. Michigan caught COVID, I guess, and uh, that means that they can't play Ohio State this week. Michigan and Ohio State were supposed to play in the Big Noon time slot on Fox. It's one of the biggest uh, time slots for ratings um, because it's right after Big Noon kickoff, which is Fox's um, kind of response to college game day on ESPN. It's the morning show, uh, talking all college football, and it's going to go straight from that Right into the game on Fox because what happened was Fox said, Well, we can't have Ohio State Michigan. What's the next best thing? Colorado Utah. That's how they're seeing right now. Joel Klatt is going to be on the call. I am hyped about that. And um, we're going to talk through some Pac 12 stuff today kind of what we've learned, where things stand, um, some of my like almost like early predictions for this weekend. And then tomorrow we'll do like the official like preview pod. Um, with some more details on what to expect from Colorado and Utah. Uh, there will probably be um, some talk. Well, now I just realized that there will be a podcast Friday morning. Huh. Well, take back what I just said. We're going to do – we have another day to work with, which is <laughs> pretty cool. So either t- tomorrow or the next day we'll do some preview stuff. Um, but there are really two games to preview because the USC-UCLA game – is just as important as the CU game. Um, Well, not quite just as important because there are some crazy scenarios, but... That's what we're going to talk about today, is those crazy scenarios, but first I want to tell you guys more about Green Mountain Dental Group. Green Mountain Dental is incredible. They do great work, they get great reviews, we've had uh, people who work for DMVR go out there and say that it was the best experience they've ever had with a dentist. Uh, we've had people who listen to DMVR podcasts or subscribe to the thedmvr.com uh, go out there and then actually change their dentist because it was a great experience and they wanted to keep going there for forever. So, uh, good stuff. They're good people. It's a family owned business. They're huge Colorado sports fans. They might even be listening to this podcast because it's time to get hyped about the buffs. Not that like there's ever a time not to get hyped about the buffs, but we're finally here. Like this is the do or die, win or lose. You're either going to the Pac-12 title game or not. And, uh, if things go well, then we can get a little bit more hype next week. And, honestly, that's the peak because bowl games are fun and huge and all of that. A Pac-12 title at this point means a lot more. But, yeah, Green Mountain Dental, great work, great people. Uh, The best part is you can get yourself a free Sonicare toothbrush if you sign up um, for a uh, cleaning, x-ray, and exam. Conveniently located just 15 minutes out of downtown Denver in Lakewood. Go get your free toothbrush and get your teeth better in the process. So um, that's that. And now we get to talk football. So we kind of went quickly through the tiebreakers, but there is a lot going on. And there's one really big thing that happened. Well, there's two. One is that the Buffs are now playing Big Noon. And honestly, I'm kind of hyped about that for my own personal reasons. Because when they're supposed to play those games at 7 o'clock, and then they end at 10, at best, probably more like 1030 30. Then you have to like get all the lights set up and all that kind of stuff. I, well, Allie does, and then we get to do the uh, post game show. But that last post game show lasted two hours, and when you start a two hour post game show at ten forty five, that means that it ends at one no twelve forty five, which is basically one in the morning. Um, and I don't want to shorten a post game show, especially after the Buffs do everything that they can do. I mean. Put together a winning season. Knock on wood. They still gotta go win the game, but that's what the goal is this week. That's what they're playing for. And we don't want to have to shorten that. So the good news is they start at 10 a.m. on Saturday. They'll be done at like 1.30. That means we get to talk all day about the buffs. It could be like a four-hour post-game. And I don't think that um Ryan or Ben. Will have anything to do other than sit there and talk about the buff. So excited for that. Um, be ready for that post game show after that uh, game ends. Um, and yeah, that's what's up. Um, here's the other big piece of news Washington has paused its football activities because of COVID. Um, not good, of course. But this is this is huge news for the Pac-12 um, for a couple of different reasons. And let's just start with the, the immediate implications, and then we'll jump into some like really chaotic scenarios that are now on the table. Um, but, but the immediate implications, let's just say they can't play this week, which seems like how this is trending. If you're pausing football activities on a Wednesday... Are you really going to be ready to travel Friday and play Saturday? You know, it's possible. Maybe they even push that game back to Sunday or something like that, but it's definitely not a good look. Let's say that this game is canceled. Um, here's what would happen. Washington, which is supposed to play Oregon this week, would actually win the Pac-12 North crown um, by canceling this game because Oregon needs to beat the. Washington to pull within like a a tie in the standings. Um, It wouldn't actually be a tie because the game's played thing, but it counts as a tie according to the PAC 12 protocols for this season. So essentially Oregon wins. It's a tie. Oregon obviously won the head to head matchup, which means they have the tiebreaker. And so they win this game between Washington, Oregon, the winner goes to the PAC 12 title game. If Washington, which has COVID cannot play, the game is canceled and Washington goes to the PAC 12 title game. Um, it's one of those weird things where you could take advantage of the rules if you were a bad person. And I don't think that's what's up, but, uh, you know, that, that is the speculation that you will be hearing probably pretty loudly from ducks fans this week in the same way that Buffs fans had those feelings when USC canceled the game against CU. Um, so that's the immediate, um, what would happen is if Washington cancels, they go to PAC 12 title game. Um, there are a couple interesting scenarios that stem off of that, though, and one of them seems fairly likely, and that is this, that the outbreak spreads and they aren't healthy enough to play in the Pac-12 title game next Friday. That's that, that's like nine days away from when this started, uh, and we've seen, obviously, like with Arizona and with other teams within the Pac-12, Utah, that a lot of times this is a two-week thing, and... If Washington can't play in the Pac-12 title game, what does the Pac-12 do? Well, I have no idea. And I, I went through all of the protocols that they released right before the season about how all this would work. I didn't see anything about what happens if a team that qualified for the Pac-12 championship pulls out of the Pac-12 championship. Um uh, I think that what would probably happen is that the Pac-12 has to decide what it does from there, um, just kind of on the spot. And I think that those meetings would get contentious um, because obviously everything, all the other information is known. You, you're, you're deciding one of two teams, and, and there are probably two ways that they could go with this. One is that they say, well, the North Division is supposed to have representation, and the number one team can't go, so we're going to give the number two team the opportunity. That would be Oregon, of course. And Oregon is going to go to the Pac-12 title game. Well, the other option is to say, we I mean, Colorado is undefeated, in theory. Let's just say in this scenario, they beat Utah. And so, they deserve to go and... That just makes sense because they are the second best team by record in the conference. There was the discussion, I guess, that the Pac-12 did decide that they weren't going to mess around and make it like the top two overall finishers in the conference is going to be one from each conference. But this is going to be a conversation that is going to start over from scratch if Washington determines that it's not going to be able to play for the Pac-12 title game or even if they get to... I mean, let's see, games are Saturday. If that game with Washington's canceled, then on Sunday, all of the important people in the Pac-12 are going to be talking about um, what the plan is if Washington has to back out. And that means that if, it, you know, they they pick Oregon to be the sub, Oregon's going to spend all week getting ready for that game. And it would honestly kind of put USC in a tough position um, because they would have to prepare for two teams, um, not knowing whether Washington will get healthy or whether they won't, and they'll have to play somebody else. Um, so that's kind of what we're looking at there. And I should add, this was an important note um, from, oh, come on, I should know these names. I'll tell you who it's from in a second, but but here's what the gist of it is. King County, which is where Seattle is, um, which is the, the county where the University of Washington is, Still has a policy that says that if you're a close contact to an infected individual, you have to quarantine for 14 days. That's uh, so. So the CDC decided within the last week, I believe, 10 days at the most, that if you have a close contact with an infected individual, then you need to quarantine for 10 days now, down from the 14, or only seven days if you test negative. King County has not adopted the new relaxed a little bit CDC guidelines, which throws another little quirk into all of this because King County could say that Washington isn't allowed to practice um, because it did have this outbreak. So. A lot at stake there. Um, I think the the media coverage I've seen, for the most part, has talked specifically about the Washington-Oregon game this week. And obviously, like that is a huge deal. That decides who goes to the Pac-12 title game. I mean, imagine if USC and Colorado were scheduled to play this weekend and USC backed out, which gave them the Pac-12 title. Like, understandable frustration um, and all of that kind of stuff. But for us, looking at it from a Pac-12 South standpoint, what really matters is what this does for CU in theory um, because there's a good chance that Washington won't be able to play next week either despite earning a spot in the Pac-12 championship. Um, So that's kind of the big stuff going on over there. But there's actually one more even crazier scenario. um, And that is this. So, uh, let's start with me being wrong about something, uh, which is what happened Saturday night on the Buffs post-game show. Uh, I said that there was this crazy scenario where it's it's basically doomsday protocols that the Pac-12 put in place before the season um, in case there were a whole bunch of cancellations throughout the season. And that protocol works like this. Um, if you don't hit... The number of games that are required to be played in the Pac-12 this season, then instead of taking the number one finisher in the North and the number one finisher in the South, you just take the two best teams overall. What I said on the the uh, post game show was that you need to have only one game played this week. But what I m- my mistake was not. Thinking about the round down, so so the number is every team has to play four conference games on average. So they don't all have to play it, I guess, but the average for every team is four conference games played. If it's um, four or less, then um, four or less, then those we go into this doomsday type protocol where it's just the two best finishers. What I didn't realize, though, on the post-game show was that I I just forgot to factor in rounding down. And so they actually do clarify this in the protocols, but if you're under 4.50, the number rounds down to 4, and this is what happens. So instead of needing five cancellations this week, you actually only need three cancellations this week um, to, to go to the top two finishers make it. And those top two finishers would be USC and Colorado. Um, I'm pretty sure they're totally locked in. Right. Well, let me make sure because sometimes these numbers three, and so I guess that isn't true. So if Washington won Colorado lost, then yeah. So it's not totally locked in. I was wrong about that. If they win, then they're locked in, obviously. Um, and if they lose, they still have a decent chance because I think Oregon probably, know. Uh, Oregon, Washington is going to be a good game if it happens. um, so, yeah, that's the other thing you're looking at is there need to be at least four Pac-12 games played this week to avoid uh, top two overall finishers playing in the Pac-12 championship. Um, like I said, Washington is already having issues. Um, the, the big thing here is that they haven't called the game off yet. And the, the closer these games are canceled closer to Saturday the less likely it is that the Pac-12 is going to be able to flip things around and find conference matchups that can be played. So, for instance, you know, let's just say, um, let me see, who's playing this week? Let's say Washington today says we can't play, Um, USC says today we can't play, and uh, Arizona says the same thing. You look at that and say, well, there's the three cancellations. That means that we're going to this other set of protocols Um, but Arizona plays Arizona State, so Arizona State is healthy. Washington plays Oregon. Oregon is healthy. You pair those two teams together, they play. That's a fourth game. You don't go to the Doomsday Protocols. Um, So, a whole lot of moving pieces here. Um, A whole lot of moving pieces. Stuff from... Will Washington play and what that means for Pac-12 North to does the Pac-12 North even matter to this crazy situation where the Pac-12 just basically has to choose between Colorado and Oregon. And what they'd really be choosing between is um, giving the spot to the number two team in the North or the number two finisher overall because a team backed out of the title game but that meeting on Sunday would be contentious um, because it, it's not like this is in theory anymore. You know, it, it's a lot easier to put together those protocols before the season when nobody knows where they stand. When Rick George is in that meeting saying, I know that when we say number two overall finisher, that is us. Uh, and when uh, whoever the representative for Oregon is, uh, is, is in that room, he's saying the exact same thing about Oregon, about being the, Number two team in the North. So uh, chaos. Just what we needed was this sort of chaos to cap off the season. Uh, Sure would have been nice if Colorado could have played USC. And then you're sitting pretty right here saying, well, no matter what, we beat USC. And so we are in the Pac-12 title game. But that game didn't happen as we have discussed at length. Um, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, And so uh, we don't get to have that exact conversation right now. We have to play all these mind games. Um, To to simplify, though, um, Colorado needs a win. They need a USC loss. There are some crazy scenarios that could shape up, but those are kind of out of the Buffs' control. I mean, they're totally out of the Buffs' control. Um, So, whew. What a week. Um, Should also say that the team that hosts the Pac-12 title game will be the team that qualifies for the Pac-12 title game and has the best conference record. And then you go through the same tiebreakers. So assuming Colorado wins, and if if they get into the Pac-12 title game uh, against either Washington or Oregon because you didn't go into any of these crazy situations, the game would be played in Boulder. If you do get into those crazy situations, and it's... CU C- versus USC, um, then y- it would be at USC, assuming USC and CU both win this week. Um, chaos, just total chaos. If you got, if this was like confusing, or if you want more information, um, you can jump onto thedmbr.com I wrote all this up. It's like a thousand words, um, including like which scenarios I think are the most fun and the drama and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, check that out. If you're interested in this kind of stuff, and if you aren't interested in this kind of stuff, then how do you get excited about the ends of football seasons? I mean, this is what really matters. Uh, I could throw some shade at the buffs not being in the situation all that often, but I don't think that anybody would benefit from that. Um, let's hit a break um, Breckenridge Brewery does so much good work. Um, they make incredible beers from the Juice Drop IPA to the Christmas Ale, the Bronchi, Br- Broncos Country Hoppy Pale Ale. Um, another just great beer. Every beer that they have is so good. And I know you guys probably get sick of me just like drooling over these beers, but I am, uh, I'm literally drooling about these beers every day. So what can I say? Um, So much good stuff. If if you guys are looking for something to do, a a way to entertain the kids during the shutdown, um, there is the skating rink at the Breckenridge Brewery Farmhouse down in Littleton. $3 to skate if you bring your own skates. $6 if you need to rent skates. Uh, Plus, there's a free tubing hill. There's a bunch of like socially distanced tables and that kind of stuff outside so that you can drink some beers and enjoy uh, the, the, the winter. So do that. Uh, support them they do really really great work um and uh they're they represent Colorado which is a cool thing DraftKings Sportsbook America's top-rated sportsbook app is wishing you the happiest of holidays and to kick off the season of giving DraftKings has new promotions and odds boosts every day this week Luckily for us sports fans there's an abundance of action taking place this week football teams are in the hunt to secure their place in the playoffs While college basketball season is just getting underway, there is no better place to get in on all of the action. And if you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to earn a free sign-up bonus up to $1,000 when using promo code DMBR. DraftKings Sportsbook has endless ways for you to bet, from live betting to betting on your favorite players. They do it all. To celebrate this weekend's UFC 256, DraftKings is giving all MMA fans who sign up now the chance to triple their winnings when placing any bet on UFC 256. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up and get up to $1,000. That's code DMVR to get a deposit bonus up to $1,000 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay. Um. Where are we going now? Oh, I wanted to talk a little bit. About um, USC. I figured that this would be a good time just to um, address what happened on Saturday. Um, no, Sunday. What am I talking about? I mean, I don't know. That's not a mistake that I feel all that bad about. Since when does college football play on Sunday? Um, what I want to say is this USC is really, really good. And the game that they played on Sunday um, against Washington State was not only the best game that they've played this season but the best game that they've played since Clay Helton has been their head coach and to me like I don't even think it's all that close and you you look at the four touchdowns to Amonra St. Brown in the uh in the first quarter and obviously that right there you hear that stat and you're like well wait that's 28 points and you think well they they probably didn't give too much time to Washington State if they had the ball enough to be scoring four times. How did Washington State keep up? And Well, the answer is they didn't. It was 28-zip, and Amonra St. Brown was just destroying whoever was put in his way outside. He's the receiver, of course, uh, so cornerbacks would be the people. But what we saw from USC was that they are really, really going right now, and that's scary. That is really scary um you know when when the buffs were supposed to play usc last weekend or i guess now we're the middle of this week we should probably say like two weekends ago um i felt good about the buffs chances i felt really good about the buffs chances because usc hadn't pulled themselves together like they they'd shown all the talent but they didn't actually play good football um which if you've watched usc for the last like I mean this season or last season or like the eight or nine seasons before that, that's what you've seen is that sometimes they're able to just be bigger and faster and stronger and win games despite having horrible plans. Um, And um, just not, I mean, not looking like they've played football before. So uh, that uh, is what we saw is that USC looked like they turned a bit of a corner. For the first time this season, you see USC ahead of the Colorado ahead of Colorado in the rankings, and you're like, yeah, they do deserve this. And USC came in uh, 15th in the College Football Playoff rankings. CU was number 21. Oh, I should add, like, so usually we do this news and notes stuff um, at the beginning of the show. That's one big note, Colorado being ranked number 21. Um, an- another note, though, is that. Nate Landman was the Bednarik Defensive Player of the Week, which is a National Defensive Player of the Week award, um, which is now his second of those in two weeks. Well, actually, no, because it's actually his third because he got two, one from Walter Camp and one from Nagurski. I think he got the Nagurski Defensive Player of the Week last week, too. I mean, shout-out to Nate, again, doing great stuff, and it's important that we address that. Uh But yeah, like you see what USC did to uh, Washington state and it really is tough to justify putting Colorado ahead of them, which, which was the opposite of what was true heading into that, you know, because we'd seen Colorado blow teams out, go up thirty five seven, thirty five nineteen 35, 19 the next week. Um, I guess they also were 28, 12, whichever one of those is more impressive to you, I guess. Um, But then they let teams back in. But you still see it and say if if people were watching the USC game and the Colorado game this week and said, like, stop thinking about the branding, which of these teams is just better, the answer would have been Colorado. And I think that that would have been true for the first, I mean, pretty much all the way up through this week when things shifted. When, uh, you know, Colorado played a bit of an ugly game. It wasn't perfect. Um Still went very well overall. They got the win and that's what matters. Uh, but USC just totally dismantled the team um, and uh, kept their foot on the gas. And it was just really ugly. I guess it only wound up being 38-13. Outscored 13-10 the rest of the way after the first quarter. But we saw what we saw. But here's the thing. Washington State is not all that good. And it it was obvious that USC was the better team, um, and that they were more talented. And like I said, just bigger, faster, stronger. And when you look at Washington State, I, I like what they're doing. Um, they they beat Oregon State, uh, not handily. I mean by double digits. That's that's a solid win. They lost to Oregon by fourteen, uh, but they kept that game close for. I mean, it was 28-22 they were down um, in the fourth quarter, under 10 minutes in the fourth quarter. So you've seen some good things from them, and those good things would make you think that what USC did to Washington State is really impressive. And, I mean, I'm not going to say that what Amon did in the first quarter was not impressive because it was really impressive. He's like a physical specimen. He's a first-round draft pick, all of those different things. But... It does sometimes feel like teams like Washington State, teams that are are good teams, you know, they, they, they play well together and they have a good game plan and, you know, they have a freshman quarterback that's stepping up. But throughout that team, you know, you don't have a whole lot of talent. You don't have a whole lot of size. You don't have a whole lot of strength. You don't have a whole lot of speed. You don't have a whole lot of depth. I mean, because once you get past that starting lineup, you're not seeing any of those traits um, in terms of like just physical attributes that compared to what USC can put on the field. And I do think that a lot of what USC did was just prey off of mistakes from a freshman quarterback. Jaden DeLora, who I still really think is going to be a very good quarterback in this conference for a while, he made some bad decisions. And some of the bad decisions kind of looked like He didn't expect the defense to be able to make a play like like he thought that there was more space there than there was when he's trying to pass the ball. He had a couple of passes picked off. Uh, He fumbled. I mean, it's those sorts of things where I think that he just wasn't ready for the type of athlete that USC is able to put on the field. And I think that that was true of a lot of that Washington State team. You know, you just can't hang with those teams unless you get a whole bunch of good breaks. And as soon as your quarterback is throwing a couple interceptions, you're, you're kind of, you're kind of toast because you're going up against Amonra St. Brown and go back and look at what he did. I mean, he's just mossing the corner. I'm not sure why Washington state thought they could play single coverage uh, against Amonra, but I guess that with what Vive Malpey, the, the very, very good, um, USC running back has been able to do, um, They thought they had to load the box, and it turned out that USC really wasn't able to run the ball. Makes me think that that was probably the game plan, and that's why they were letting these guys get open downfield. And even like stuff like um, Drake London, the, the big receiver who I really like, I think he's going to be a very good pro. They throw him the ball, and he's just so big and physical, he's going to get that ball. Like people talk in the NFL, like with the Broncos, for example, you know, when, when Cortland Sutton is out on the field, you lob a ball up, one on one coverage, that 50 50 ball is an 80 20 ball. Well, the difference between good corner or bad corners and good receivers in college football is even wider. It's, it's almost automatic that. <laughs> that a guy like Drake London, a guy like Amandra St. Brown, is going to be able to go up and get those passes. And then after they get the ball, they just make the, the defenders look silly because they have, I mean, the strength to run guys over. They, they have the wiggle to get by guys, especially when you freeze a defender because he thinks you're about to run him over again. And it, it leads to there just not really being too much of a path for Washington State in this game. Um, because you do look at these two teams and say, what what does Washington State do that USC can't stop by playing a very simple game of football and just not screwing it up? Um, and, and I do think that while this is the highest I've been on USC, and I don't think that you can make a perfect argument that, that Colorado should be ranked higher than USC, <sighs> UCLA is going to be a tougher task for USC. Um, and, and I don't... I definitely don't like UCLA's chances in this game as much as I liked them before this weekend, before we saw USC just manhandle an inferior opponent, um, but also before we saw UCLA take down an Arizona State team that USC struggled with earlier in the season. Now, Arizona State hadn't played since that first game of the season, and so that's definitely a benefit for UCLA. But I do think that Arizona State, you know, before the season, I, I in, in my media ballot... I had Arizona State winning the Pac-12 South, and I think I had them losing the Pac-12 title game to Oregon. Um, and that's what I think of Arizona State. And so although there were tough circumstances that made it hard for that team to beat UCLA, it's still a good win. It's still a very good win in my mind. Um, and before that, UCLA beat up on Arizona 27-10. to uh, Oregon, um, they, they lost to Oregon on the road, but only by three points. And that was a game that they certainly, certainly could have won. Um, just checking real quick. Let's see. What was the late? Um, yeah, they, they, uh, they had the ball with, let's see, uh, a minute 20 on the clock. Needed to go 80, no, 80 yards for a game-winning touchdown. Um, subtract however far the kicker could can kick the ball to tell you how much they have with the field goal. So you see how this could have worked out um, for UCLA because they really have played better than I had anticipated. Um, You know, in in the same way that this is probably the, the best, last week was the best that Clay Helton's team has played while he's been in charge there, I think that this last four games... And, I mean, even you could include that first game of the year, too, the only other game this season. I guess we didn't talk about UCLA beating Cal 34-10, but you include those four games, throw in Colorado-UCLA, 48-42 game, and you could make the claim that even that stretch, that that 3-2 and two stretch is the best stretch that Chip Kelly has had as the head coach at UCLA. Um, this USC-UCLA game is going to be great. Um, I'm excited to watch it. Um, I, I see that the line is set at USC as a two and a half point favorite. And if I'm being totally honest, after seeing what I saw on, on Sunday, I, 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 I like USC's, um, side of that spread better than UCLA. Um, but what I will say is that UCLA is frisky. Um, they have some explosive players. Uh, I do worry about, um, what, uh, DTR will be able to get done against the secondary. I could see him having some turnovers. Um, Tano Ufanga is a first round draft pick in my I I had him as an All-American. We had to send those in and I had him as an All-American. The safety from, um, USC who got the first interception of the game and started to started that run that USC built a lead on and then just kind of held the rest of the way. Um, DTR scares me. Um, I, I do think that if I were making my pro- pro- projection today, he turns the ball over a couple of times. And that's the reason that they lose this game. And that's the reason why USC covers that two and a half points. But if he doesn't do that, if he plays within himself, I think UCLA is probably the favorite. Um, Again, like if you're told beforehand that your quarterback isn't throwing any picks or fumbling, um, obviously that's going to change the line quite a bit. Um, But I think that you can run on this USC defense. And I think that UCLA with Demetric Felton is going to be able to do that. Um, USC only gave up 2.7 yards per carry to Washington state. Uh, Gave up four yards per carry to Utah before that. But a Utah team that had only played one game had replaced the quarterback and running back. We've talked about everything they've been through. And so four yards per carry really isn't all that bad, especially because I guess those do factor in sacks too. And I'm not sure what the numbers were. Um, Arizona, I mean, we just saw Gary Brightwell, what he did against the Buffs. Well, against USC, he had 21 carries for 112 yards. 5.3 a carry, um, the team ran for 158. Uh, the the week before that, I mean, the first week of the season, Arizona State, um, 6.8 yards per carry, 258 yards. Now, they've obviously cleaned a whole bunch of things up since then, but I, I, I don't think that this is a game where DTR is going to be slinging it around a lot. I think this is a game where, like, obviously – when you have him at quarterback, that has to be part of your identity. But I think they're going to look to try to get him some running lanes. They're going to try to feed Demetric Felton, not just as like handing the ball off, but but throwing him a couple of little screens, um, a little of passes out into the flat and let him get to work, um, and maybe some downfield stuff too. This is going to be a fun game. Um, this is going to be, in my mind, probably the best Pac-12 game of the week as if you're just like a neutral Pac-12 fan. Um, so those are some thoughts on USC and maybe talking you off the ledge a little bit. If you did see what USC, um, was able to accomplish against Washington state on Sunday, there's, there's plenty to like still there's plenty to like still. Um, I guess this will probably cover maybe I, I bet we'll circle back at some point this week, um, with maybe just a, a little bit of an update on, this matchup between UCLA and USC. Uh, But yeah, I think that that is kind of the big stuff. We'll get into the Colorado Utah game coming up. Um, We'll get into a whole bunch of Pac-12 talk because this is a big week for the league. Of course. I mean, it's the last week before everything gets decided um, who gets to play in the Pac-12 title game and who those week seven opponents even are. So yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for all this. Um, appreciate all you guys riding with me today. Um, but before we get out of here, want to give a shout-out to the Colorado Raptors. Um, you may have heard us mention that there are some big things happening in the Colorado rugby space. Now we can spill the details. DNVR is now covering all things rugby in Colorado and the United States. Reporter Colton Strickler is keeping you up to date on all things American rugby with the DNVR Rugby Podcast. And you can find his written rugby content right on our site with the rest of our coverage. It was just announced that Infinity Park in Glendale will be the new official training center for the men's and women's USA Eagles 15s teams. That means that Colorado is the place to be for rugby in the United States. Make sure you're keeping up to speed with us and with Colton on the DMVR Rugby Podcast. Um, He's doing basic 101 pods to break down the game for you. They're incredible. Uh, This is the perfect time to learn the game of rugby while he's doing those. And he also brings you exclusive one-on-one interviews with some of the biggest names in American rugby. Remember, supporting our partners is supporting us. So download the DMVR Rugby podcast and follow along at dmvrrugby.com. All right. Uh, that's going to do it. Like I said, a lot more buffs talk coming, um, in the next couple of days, but we kind of just set the scene. What's going on in the pack 12? Uh, I'm about to spend the afternoon just sitting here watching some football, watching some Utah, watching some CU. Um, and we'll have some takeaways to talk about in the coming days. Um, 72 hours. and 72 hours, we'll know if the Buffs finished this season undefeated. Um, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about between now and then, and I'll see you tomorrow. I think they
0: like my Colorado sway. Cause when a minute play, I don't, really, I don't really know just how to act. And when a minute go, you know I'm acting bad. Get a bus with my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. man I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Yeah. It's pushing 180, speeding past competition. See you later, baby. baby. Colorado on me, with soldiers like the navy yeah. and is where we stationed, patiently awaiting Whoa. when I hit the. It's so hard to behave yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd Do the wave Look into my eyes I can tell that you're afraid uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya Hit, ya. hit, ya. hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now Why you watching the official yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle And we ain't playing with ya you, you can get it anytime yeah. It started at the scrimmage We gon' Get in the middle of the ring. Throwing blows, knocking down team at the I team. Think they like my Colorado sway. cause when I'm in it play. I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holla, get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. Might not swear I think I'm Yeah. <laughs> I think they like my Colorado sway Cause when a minute in play I don't really, I don't really know just how to act And when i minute in it go, you know I'm acting bad Holly get a buffs with my Colorado sway My Colorado sway, my Colorado sway I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway My Colorado sway, my Colorado sway Mine, I swear, I think they like my Colorado sway